3: Can you please sort NFL players into Hogwarts houses? Where's Jason Kelsey? I mean, I'm going to put myself in Gryffindor. Come on, baby. What? <laughs> you can't just put yourself in the be- the best house. That's where Harry was? Harry, Ron, Hermione. Do I get in Gryffindor? I'd put you in Gryffindor. You're in Gryffindor for sure. Jalen Hurts. Gryffindor. We can't put everyone in Gryffindor, Jason. You're asking me all my friends. Who doesn't Jason know? Kirk Cousins. Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. Smart. Alright, what about, uh, Patty Mahomes? Patty Mahomes, man, I want to throw him in Slytherin because he just whooped our ass in the Super Bowl. But, I gotta say, I do think Patty Mahomes is a Gryffindor guy.
4: He kept going. There's more. Everyone's Gryffindor? Keep going.
5: Not everyone. Russell Wilson. I
3: think he's in Slytherin. Slytherin? Oh, yeah. I was thinking he was like a Hufflepuff. You know what? I'll do that. I'll go Hufflepuff. Ask me a coach bill belichick oh slytherin all day <laughs> what about a guy like tony robo <laughs> slytherin i mean anybody on the cowboys is slytherin so is jerry jones like the, is he like the head of slytherin yeah jerry jones is yeah. for sure slytherin he's lord voldemort he's probably got horcruxes scattered all through uh, the united <laughs> states jason garrett being one of them
5: there you go <laughs> my wife sent that to me she's a big harry potter fan yeah are you
4: does uh, that speak to you like Jason Kelsey a little more now? My my wife is more of a Harry Potter fan, but I am too. Uh, by the way, are we not calling Harry Potter fans Potterheads? Shouldn't it be Potterheads. Potterheads. You know, like not Harry. Uh, I mean, yeah. Pothead Potterhead. It's right there. Yeah, that's true. He's, yeah, he's Potterhead. We could we could start it if it's not out there yet. Mahomes is definitely Slytherin. The rest I was okay with. The re- also, everyone's Gryffindor or Slytherin, pretty much, right? I don't even really know what the other two houses are.
5: I have no idea. Doctor's the wrong guy. I've seen... I don't know if I've seen any one of them start to finish. I've seen, I think, every... Mi- mo- 85% of the minutes of all of them in mm-hmm. individual pieces when they're just on television. Or,
4: But I've never mm-hmm. followed the whole thing from start to finish. Mm-hmm. I've seen the first 45 minutes... Of the first one, a hundred times. Sorcerer's Stone, a hundred times. I might agree with that. Because we used to go over to my aunt and uncle's house and they would always, a Sunday after the Bills game, we'd go over for Sunday dinner every Sunday, after the Bills game would end. Which, you know, you'd get there at like one, you wouldn't be there all day. So Bills game's over, oh, let's put something on. Every week it was Sorcerer's Stone, but we would never stay for the whole thing. Yeah. So every week we'd watch the first 45 minutes of the Sorcerer's Stone. Says, Which I think made me not like the rest of the movie, so I went away from it for, like, probably ten years, and then I ended up watching them. And they're pretty good. It just takes forever. says, Gryffindor House is where you find the pluckiest, most daring students. There's a reason the house symbol is a brave lion. Uh, Slytherin, a house of unfortunate reputation. While it is true that there are a lot of dark witches and wizards, uh, we're sorted into Slytherin. Not all belong in this house are bad. In fact... A lot of excellent qualities. The Sorting Hat looks for a potential Slytherin. And Merrill itself even belonging to a misunderstood house. All right. All right.
5: I have a take on the Chiefs, speaking of your Slytherin take. Okay. Here it is. Have you seen the video? I, I You could say this is me in my true hater stage, cynic stage, jaded stage, Whatever. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the video of Mahomes and Kelsey talking about when they found out they
4: were going to get the, the that they were going to
5: the Niners were going to receive?
4: I saw. Is this the video where they close up on Mahomes's face? Yes, because I saw that where Mahomes is, Mahomes like his eyes widen the moment he hears Fred Warner say that they're going to receive the ball first. Yes, yeah, saw that. So it's being pointed out
5: like, oh, you did what the Chiefs wanted. They were happy that they were getting the ball second. Wow. Can you believe what well, Kyle Shanahan? Did he gave them the ball second? Wow. They were happy. Yes. Yeah. And I would just like to ask you, what would have happened if in that exact same moment someone went over to Mahomes and said, they're giving us the ball first? What would he have said? Oh, you want to give us the ball? F-? We love it. Mm-hmm. Love it. Hey, Kelsey, you want to give us the ball first. Love it. This is my hater stage, like I said. We are constantly bombarded with the mic'd up that is perfectly curated and edited that everything that ever happens to every team is exactly what they wanted, and we continue to just buy it all the time. Mm -hmm. Every single thing that happens. This year in the draft, a player's going to fall to a team. They're going to show the the GM pumping his fist. Here are the Panthers high-fiving because exactly what they wanted to happen happened. And they'll be like, oh, look at that. They, that's that's the guy they wanted. You, you won't see the six hours of coverage of them being like, ah, oh, crap, there goes the guy we wanted. You get none of that. That happens to every team. There you go. Like I said, just my hater stage. A little cynical, a little bitter about the Chiefs. I'm just bitter about the Chiefs. It's really what it comes
4: down to. I'm just bitter. They did say before, though, that they wanted the ball. Okay. Like, that's in there. Fine. They wanted the ball. Or, they, excuse me, they wanted the kick. That's they great. Kick. That's great. Do you want to know one stat I saw
5: about kickoffs and receiving and all that? That I found interesting. Hmm. That So, what happens now in the opening kickoff of a game? Goes right through the back of the end zone. But what? what's the choice? Oh, defer. Uh, defer, defer. defer. Everybody defers. Yep. The Patriots started deferring, and then everyone decided, you know what? Deferring is actually smart. We're going to defer. Mm-hmm. And the double dip is there. Do you know what the win percentage was for teams that took the ball? Because it used to be everybody took the ball. Yeah. And what mattered for... Winning and losing, or how it had an effect. I saw like Kevin Cole, unexpected points to this. 2008 is when everybody's kind of started to defer, and the Patriots start. Before that, do you know what the data showed about kick or receive? Hmm. Made no difference. Didn't make it. Didn't matter. No difference. Didn't matter. No, didn't matter. The entire league decided receiving is better, and now the entire league receives. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make a difference. Every once in a while, you'll get a, a coach that's like, nah. I'm feeling. I'm feeling different. I'm mm-hmm. gonna take the ball and I'm gonna score. I'm gonna send a message or whatever. Like, let's get out. Let's get. let make a statement. Drive early on. Doesn't make a difference. Not in the data. Mm-hmm. But now everybody this, agrees. Not everybody. Some people do want to take the ball first. But every coach, just about, they all they all defer. Yeah. Because why? Well, you have more information in the second half. Before everybody was doing
4: that, there was no difference. I thought they did it too because well again like the fans aren't all back in their seats yet. Well if that's only if true you're, if that's you're the road team. That's only true on the road. If you're the road team, you'd rather have that. Yeah. The uh Packers started uh, receiving this year to send a message maybe. Oh. They did it in the playoffs, I think. Uh Isn't it right to believe the Chiefs would have gone for two though if they got the ball first and they would have just won the game anyway? Maybe. Did you know that in that game itself the Chiefs
5: were stopped in field goal territory on fourth and six three times. Three times they got mm-hmm. to fourth and six in field goal range. Mm-hmm. Would they have gone for fourth and six? They did also, in that game, have a fourth and 10 plus. Mm-hmm. So Kyle Shanahan had four drives where the Chiefs moved the ball and got stalled out at fourth and five or more, mm-hmm. which, if that had happened, everyone likes to talk about if they had scored a touchdown, they would have gone for two. What would they have done on fourth and nine at the 28 yard line? What would they have done? Have a nine-yard play to stay alive or kick and
4: go to the next round. It's too bad we didn't see that. Did you see Kevin Cole also on, uh, what was the game-winning-slash-tying playoff drives? Yes. For Mahomes? Yes. And how like Brady, for instance, is like, like... Mahomes perfect, basically. He's seven for seven. Brady's like five of 11. Yeah. And Breeze, I think it was second all-time, and he was like 50-50. And Mahomes is scored every single time that he's needed to so i mean he's he's the guy for that right now right he's the he's the clutch gene guy for the end of the games i i don't i I also hear your point about they crafted this happened with Lamar Jackson once, and it drove me nuts. John Harbaugh asking lamar jackson do you want do you want to go for it as if like what's his quarterback going to say no, it's punt. Like that got made this big example of like, look at John Harbaugh. Really, like they're letting you in to show you, like that he gives his quarterback say. If the Chiefs had received the ball first, you might have never seen the clip from before where Reed tells Mahomes, "We want, we want a kick." You probably never would have seen it, right? Probably. So it doesn't go their way. They don't get what they want. Yeah, you wouldn't. You might not find out. You might not find out. I don't know. If yeah, they it, lose maybe you would because then they would get they would cover their butts on hey we wanted to kick. Yeah.
5: 803-0550 1888 2550 to join us if you'd like to. Some receiver chatter today. Ayuk. His his name is thrown out there in trade stuff. The Niners would be nuts to let him get away. Yes they would. They'd be nuts. On Ayuk, let me ask you this cuz somebody wrote in and you said post game of the Super Bowl he's talking about I'll stay here if it's the right deal. Yep. And I had someone write it and say, like, I, I don't like
4: how that sounded. I, I don't want a guy like that. And his brother posted, uh, well, this is why we're leaving. And A lot, I, of, a lot of brothers out there uh, tweeting and posting on Instagram that ends up making the news. Yeah. And I continue to say, I promise you, you do not have to care about that stuff. Mm-hmm. You just don't
5: have to care about it. What th- – this is like a digs exercise. What should Brandon Ayuk have said when asked during Super Bowl postgame
4: you know your contract's coming up. Do you want to stay here? What should he have said? I mean, shouldn't he have said like we're, we have unfinished business here, like something along those lines? Co- okay, he doesn't have to still stay. He can say that That's and right. then still leave if he wants. What if they
5: trade him? I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna take the same energy I did with Diggs as Ayuk, which is it is not up to him. What if they lowball him? And they don't want to pay him as a, one of the best receivers in football because they don't throw it that much. Like you can make a case for that if you're the Niners. I don't know. I just I think we're just. So oversaturated with every word these guys say. And a lot of it you just don't have to care about. You know? Do the Bills have to care? If Diggs, if Diggs didn't makes a headline this weekend for anything, do I have to care about it? What would he even do? He'll be gone for months now, right? There'll be there'll be 30 articles written about Diggs trade scenarios. He yeah. will say nothing. Mm-hmm. The Bills will say nothing. And it will feel like, well, these Diggs rumors, are just they just won't go away it's just the internet all the smoke it's yeah. just another article it's another bleacher report believe network it's look at all these teams that are rumored to be trading or interested in digs it's just a person giving a thought like Jarrett bailey today usa today it's just his opinion the bills should trade for iuk does that mm-hmm. count as a rumor or is that just a suggestion mm-hmm. like rumors are elliot friedman reports the flyers are checking in on krebs that to me is a real rumor mm-hmm Jody Biasi writing, you know what would be a good idea? Trading Krebs. That to me is a suggestion. Right. Very different. And
4: they're not the same thing, and sometimes I feel like they're kind of lumped together. That's that's almost definitely right. Almost definitely right. I thought about this a little bit with like you you're talking about i u and Diggs here. When Schopen Bulldog were having their conversation yesterday about like the single move the Sabres did wrong during this drought, and I thought about O'Reilly. Like what if they just said they didn't what if they just ignored what he said? What if they didn't care? He was under contract. He was still being professional. He was still producing. He was still like whatever his opinion or feelings were at the time. He was on the ice. He was doing. He was playing at a hundred percent. And what if they just said, "Yeah, we don't care. Let's not act on it." Yep. He lost his love for the game. Let's just let's just keep him here. What's going to happen? He's already he's playing hard. He's blocking shots. He's out there playing his two way game. It's not like he's quitting on the team. And this gets to something I
5: mentioned last week with you, which was also the Debo Samuel drama. He, he, oh, re- when he, he yeah. asked for a trade. And he's still there. And what did John Lynch do? He didn't. Uh, okay, whatever. Here's a new deal. Like you're under contract. Yeah. I'm not and, doing anything. and here's a contract. Yeah. We're just going to sign this. Like, you as the GM, you don't have to get caught up in the drama. But, you know, some of course do. Mike in the car is up. Hey, Mike. Good morning. Hey, okay. Happy Friday
6: morning, guys. Um, happy Friday. Um, I was thinking during the Super Bowl what a huge advantage it is to a team when your head coach is calling your plays versus an offensive coordinator like Joe Brady, who's maybe wondering whether or not McDermott is going to go for it on the fourth down. When your head coach is calling the plays, he knows what situation I he, the team is in he can he can s- schedule the plays he can plan the plays to to do what he knows in his head they're going to do on fourth down I mean how many times have we seen the bills on a, on a fourth down situation they call a timeout because they don't know what they're going to do on fourth down they haven't planned for it on first down I just think it's a huge advantage to have your offensive coordinator as your head coach or your play caller as your head coach because, you know, the head coach is always I mean, McDermott said it a a ton of times. I make the decision whether to go on fourth down. Does he tell Joe Brady that on on first down? When the Bills had the ball on the 27-yard line with two minutes and 42 seconds left in the game, does Brady know? Does McDermott know whether or not this is four-down territory, whether or not this is three-down territory? And I think you know, having enough your your coach do that, I mean, just putting that in your quarter because your quarterback should know. I mean, if anybody should know it's your quarterback, whether it's three or four down territory, because if it was four down territory, maybe Josh takes that underneath right. pass on third and, and nine and makes it a fourth and three. I just think it's a huge advantage that uh, Kansas City has, and that's one of the reasons that they win so much.
5: Well, I don't know about win so much, but your point's not lost on me that what you're getting at is there's one person removed and the bills. I'm sure we could talk about this with Sal and ask him this. The bills would communicate during a drive. Hey, it's third and eight. I'm sure in that moment, Brady can say, we think of four downs here, right? That's all it takes. Do I have, do I have four downs to use here? We'll see. Maybe McDermott says three or less. Maybe the analytics team, like we don't get the inside broadcast channels, I mean, they're all on a headset. They're all communicating at all times. What you're saying with Reed is that he doesn't have to ask anybody. He can call the play and then know, you know, hey, it's third and eight. I'm going to call a play here that gives this, this, and this option. And if we get it to a fourth and two, I know I'm going for it. Or maybe I know I'm going for a fourth and eight. Whereas if that's Brady, he has to ask what the plan is. So uh, it's not lost on me, that idea, that there's one extra layer of communication to go in there. I wouldn't go so far as to say that's why Kansas City
4: wins. No, in fact the way that shows up in the numbers is actually the opposite. Well, he's not talking about going for fourth downs. Okay, just the communication
5: and like... Right, because Reed and the Chiefs are not necessarily good at that. What he's talking about is how you call third down because you know what you're going to do if you get to a fourth. Right. When you you only have 25 seconds between plays. You remove a person from the conversation. So I, I don't think that's wrong. Unless you just
4: give... Well... Would we, would we know if that was up to Joe Brady, and would it ever? Would a head coach ever do that? Hey, y- y- you decide if we go for it. You're the conductor here. You're you're doing it. If you you're calling the plays. If you call a pass play in fourth down, that means we're going for it on fourth down. Um, but I don't know. Maybe we would know that, or maybe that's just never would happen. So there's one moment this season that that does make me think of, um, the close up of Allen. In Kansas City, at Arrowhead, where he's asking, what are we doing? Yeah. That was, I think, a fourth down situation. Or maybe that was a third down situation where they didn't know what they were doing. So, And there was play call stuff there. Brady was er, new on the job. So, I don't think it's the reason Kansas City wins. Thanks for the phone call.
5: <sighs> the Chiefs. We're going to have to sit here with the Chiefs.
4: It's only having- one, one week. Not even since they won.
5: It's not even a week. It's like a month. Two months. A lot has happened. Including, Holy cow. You know, of course They're getting the,
4: mocked to trade for Brandon Ayuk now.
5: Yeah. Of course the shooting will be a story of the off season as well. Yes. And investigation into all that happened. A dispute comes from a dispute. Yeah. You know. Well <laughs> I guess we should like wait for the investigation to see what 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 we get out of it. I think so. Pretty much, eight zero three zero five fifty one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. I will be tracking to see how how much legs, how many the legs that the Ayuk trade stuff has. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing it reported that the the Colts expect to lose Michael Pittman. Is there a reason that they would lose him? I mean, is he, he's an unrestricted free agent? Why wouldn't they just? But they know, could franchise tag him or sign him. They they have a rookie quarterback. Don't they want to keep an awesome receiver? Between Pittman and Josh Downs, like they've got two good, really good players. Why are they going to lose Michael Pittman? That would be
4: pretty nuts. I it think would if be they ins- just, if they just let him walk. Yeah, it'd be it'd be nuts. Unless he makes it so ugly, or he just makes it clear to them, I do not want to play in this team anymore. But right then, why wouldn't you tag him and trade him? Right, he's a you get you get stuff. You'd get a lot of value. Holy cow. I I, I was looking for this rumor about expecting to lose Michael Pittman, and the first thing I saw was someone that writes for the Colts saying they should let Pittman walk and replace him with Gabe Davis. Good luck with that. Holy cow. Go go try that. See how that that, works. Gabe Davis is not a bad football player, but, yeah, you try to have him do what Michael Pittman does and see what happens. Jeremy and Joe, looks like a sunny Friday.
5: All right. Is it was the sunny p- enough? Hey, we got snow yesterday. For a, a few minutes, it was snowing pretty hard. Yep. And icy sidewalks. So be safe out there. 803-0550, Jeremy and Joe on WGR.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
6: Long story short, he'll be in San Francisco. He'll get an extension. This will all pass, but this is hurt. He's frustrated. I didn't, only got three receptions, and I made the most of those three. Could I have done more on that slant route with the, the coverage in your face? Like, I, I needed that football right there. I'm frustrated that you didn't make that decision. Yeah. I will get over that. I will watch the tape. I will come back with a vengeance next year under a new contract, and, and we will make necessary adjustments to get him the ball more.
5: Richard Sherman, on Brandon Ayuk, who is due more money for being good at his job. Hey, good morning. Did I see something going to the break? What did I tell you I was going to get to? Jeremy and Joe, good morning. Hi. Oh, I wanted to mention a couple things going on this weekend. So the NBA All-Star Game is this weekend. Yep. Also, at UB tomorrow, at UB, they will honor Turner Battle, former University of Buffalo's men's basketball team star his number 11 goes to the rafters retiring his number honoring his number 11 turner battle one of the best players in ub's history glory days for the for the ub bulls those years 01 to 05 great years 23 wins um also turner battle many of you may not know this he had a great career at UB. He also had a great career playing on my rec league team of probably like 2006 in the neighborhood, <laughs> maybe 2008. We had a, we had you know like a you play basketball in a league and Turner Battle Joe was on my team, and that was an example of you know I I played a lot of basketball in my day, play with friends. I'm certainly not a Division One nor Division Two nor Division Three. Nor Division Seven basketball athlete, but I played a lot of basketball. Played with former morning show producer Dan Hager's on that team. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Turner married uh, good friends of mine. Good friend of mine's sister, and Turner's on our team. So we show up to these games, and it's a rec league. Wait, Turner Battle is on your team? Yeah, that's right. We got Turner Battle on this team. Wow, <laughs> which meant which meant here's the rec league. I think we played at Nichols, and. You know, it's 6 o'clock on a Tuesday night. Let's play some basketball. And mm-hmm. here, oh, Turner, steal, dunk. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Drive the basket, kick it out. There's Turner. Uh, Drain it from three. Just, you know, laying waste to teams. It's the definition of you bringing a ringer yeah. to a team. And Turner was great. Now, another story about that team is, Joe, that is the league that I uh, – I scored a basket on the wrong basket during a game. How did you do that? How did I do that, you ask? Right? How could someone do that? Jim Marshall running to the wrong end zone. How did that happen? He got turned around and spun around, picked up the ball, ran to the wrong end zone. How did it happen that I scored on the wrong basket? Okay, I'll tell you how it happened. So when you play in these rec leagues, halftime is not exactly an event. Right? Call Mm -hmm. halftime, go to your benches, go back out, switch sides. It was just after halftime. And there had been a timeout called. So we come out of the timeout. I didn't realize it was the halftime timeout. It was just a timeout. I go to receive the inbounds play. The other team on the first play of the second half has also started a full court press. So... It kind of looks like I'm receiving an inbound under the basket we have been shooting on, and mm-hmm. their entire team is in the paint and pressing everything in, and I took the inbound and scored. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and it was in the long basket. Yeah, that's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. I think we lost by two. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Did you find out immediately? You oh, scored? I knew right away. As soon as it's up and off the backboard, I was like, "Wait a minute, wait." Wow, it but, but will never get worse than that. It's pretty bad. It's pretty embarrassing moment for me. I don't think Turner was there that day, so he did not see that from me. Anyway, Turner battle number eleven at the Raptors at UB tomorrow.
4: We're gonna talk with uh, Matt Larkin coming up in a moment here from uh, Daily Faceoff. Off. Um, when did Turner battle stop playing <laughs> at UB? Two thousand five, two thousand five. So I would have been too young to remember his career. Yeah, I remember him as a coach though. Yeah. UAB. Yeah.
5: Chattanooga, Tennessee Chattanooga, maybe
4: uh, UAB and, but both like, I remember him being a story when he was in the tournament, like locally. Um, I don't think he was even ever a head coach, but he would have been on the, uh, at least on the assistant level.
5: Yeah. He's back in town. He moved back and uh, is the AD at the park school in Buffalo. And tomorrow they
4: honor Turner battle. To the Western Hotline we go, Matt Larkin of the Daily Faceoff, one of our favorites. Now on the Western Hotline as we'll continue to talk Sabers. Matt, it's Joe and Jeremy. Thanks for thanks for taking time out, man. Good morning, fellas. How are you doing? We're doing good, but the hockey team is, uh, you know, you know Matt, how it goes these days. Not necessarily the reason why that's happening. Another loss last night. It's it's a 13 year playoff drought. I don't know uh, for you, like if, whether or not you even know that it's like the all time record. I don't know how common knowledge that is, but how 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 historic is it? How uh, insane is it to you that this is happening to the Sabers?
7: It's extremely historic, and I definitely uh, am well aware of that record. It's it's a, a very sad record for a fan base that deserves so much more, and especially in the salary cap era in which you have. Teams like, you know, the Montreal Canadiens had the 18th best record in the league. They go to the Stanley Cup final in 2021, right? This parody allows virtually every team to go on a run every few years and to miss the playoffs 13 years in a row. To me, it's absolutely unfathomable. And I just feel, you know, as a journalist, I'm supposed to be impartial, but admittedly, I just feel for Buffalo. It's a city that I want to see have success because the fans are so passionate when they have a winner. But at the same time, it's been so long since a winner that there's an entire generation of fans that hasn't seen one, and that's how you lose fans in a long-term sense, right? So I I really thought this was going to be the year, missed the playoffs by one point last year, and now you look at the standings, 10 points out, and here we go again.
4: Yeah. Is there – like, what's the the path forward to you? Like, they have prospects. They have picks. They have the youngest team in hockey. Like, there's talent. Um but you also have, as you just kind of laid out, like you have fans, and you have a team that's not really. I don't think it's right to expect patience. So I'd like to say like there needs to be a move to be made. But I I, I find it tough to believe also that they can just have their pick of the litter. They don't have a great reputation. They're probably in every no trade clause in the league.
7: Yeah, it's true, and it's tough. They're in a, a sort of paradoxical situation where I, I agree. I don't think the path forward for Kevin Adams. Is patience anymore. I think especially given the cap space this team has, you have to wade into the free agent waters this summer and try to make a splash. And I know that's a scary proposition. If you look at the team's recent history with their big signings, go back to Christian Ehrhoff, guys like that. Even Jeff Skinner, it's been hot, cold. Kyle when when he signed his first contract, it didn't go so well, right? So I can understand if you're a Sabres fan if that, that makes you nervous, the idea of signing a veteran. But at the same time, it's not like this team needs to add more young talent. The pipeline is unbelievably stacked, and that includes guys that have not have not broken through and, and become full-time NHLers yet. Whether it's Matt Savoy, whether it's Yuri Kulych, the list goes on and on. This team is so deep in the prospect pipeline. So to me, you can use some of that capital either to trade and bring in more help. I think you need another strong defenseman, top four defenseman. I think maybe you need to devote some free agent dollars to try and woo a big name, depending on who's on the market this summer, whether it's a Jake Gensel, whether it's an Elias Lindholm, do whatever you can. And I know it probably Mm -hmm. sounds scary because you don't want to be stuck with a bunch of contracts that don't age well. But what else can you do if you're Kevin Adams? You have the young talent. You need to bring in some effective veterans to push this team forward. You can't just be only relying on the kids and to me that's what you have to do.
4: Matt Larkin, managing editor and senior writer at Daily Faceoff. I on one guy specifically, Rasmus Anderson or Noah Hannifin, that is Calgary kind of the right team to look at for if you're the Sabres trying to on you know, try to bring in guys that are more in their primes, veteran pieces. Um I don't know, that team seems to be the one that most commonly is being mentioned in rumors.
7: For sure, because they have a lot of quality veterans that are still in their primes, right? And because of the fact that Calgary does seem willing to sell, obviously they made their Lindholm move. I think that's the best place to shop right now. For Buffalo, it's a bit complicated, right? Because Noah Hannafin is a pending UFA, and you're not renting anybody right now. So if you're bringing in a Hannafin, it's either going to be a trade or really you're waiting until the summer. You don't want to have to give up assets. So you may as well wait since you don't need them right now. You would need them long term, right? So that's someone I think you try to sign in the summer. Rasmus Anderson, to me, that's a name I've heard it only recently thrown out there. I'd be surprised if Calgary moves him. Mm. To me, he's part of the long-term plan there. So if you can get someone like that all the power to you, I'm a little more skeptical that he'd be available. But I agree. Overall, the Sabres, they need to bring in someone of that quality, right? They need a little bit more support for Rasmus Dahlin, Owen Power, Mattias Samuelsson. I think you could see, to me, it was apparent in plain sight, bringing in someone like Eric Johnson Yes, there's some leadership there, but his game has really fallen off in the last few years. That was not going to get the job done. You need to aim higher and bring in a big-ticket player.
4: Don Granado is the sixth-longest tenured coach in the league, which is pretty amazing. It might say more about the league uh, than anything, but what do you think about that current situation? End of the year, or do, do you think they just keep going as an idea? Um, I don't know. Does it what, what would it What would it say, I guess, what would it say about the Sabres if the rest of the league looks at the seasons that they've had recently and they just keep going with the same coach?
7: Yeah, it's tough, right? Because I think a year ago we were speaking of Don Granado so much higher, right? He was the guy who came from the US NTDP program and was really good at working with young players. And he'd gotten through to this Sabres team and they were a top three offense in the league. And it felt like he was the guy that was taking them there, right? And I think... He would have been a Jack Adams candidate if they made the playoffs. So a year later now, I don't want to say he's lost the room, but when you have so many of the players that were so good last year, just not finding their game, then it's hard not to look at the coach. So I do wonder if they're getting close to needing that new voice. To me, I think you definitely wait till the summer and it comes down to, do you give Granada one more year? And that could depend on who's out there. There's someone really enticing for Kevin Adams that could, sort of motivate this group and maybe bring more uh, veteran track record you have to consider it but otherwise it was working until this year under Don Granado. so I'm wondering if you need to give him one more, more year
4: yeah we've talked about like Rod Brindamore I mean he has a connection to Adams from their playing days and I know his future in Carolina is at least a little bit up in the air but even that like this is Matt, this is kind of where I think Sabre fans live. It's bring up a big name like that for a coach or a player, and it's I think you just have to manage your expectations because of what the recent history has been for this team.
7: Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and Brendan Moore is a fascinating case because, you know, players are willing to go through a wall for him, but at the same time, he's such an institution in Carolina, it's hard to picture him ever leaving there. Uh, you, you wonder, you know, if, if Carolina flops in the playoffs and they can't get over the hump, maybe that changes. To me, I would consider looking at someone like a Jay Woodcroft, who I I think was unceremoniously dumped in Edmonton. That team, their analytics were still really good. They just weren't getting saves. So to me, that's a quality coach that didn't necessarily deserve to lose his job. And we saw him come into a young team a couple years ago and really turn things around quickly. So that's a name I'd be wondering about if I were Kevin Adams.
4: Matt Larkin of the uh, Daily Faceoff. On the Leafs quickly the suspension by Morgan Riley? One, what did you think of the incident? And two, it, there there's some Leaf fans I've seen that are like, oh, well, this is actually good for them because they're showing the league that they're not soft, which they've been called for, for years. Um, d- did you like the suspension, and what did you make of the entire situation there?
7: Is it weird if I say I just loved all of it? <laughs> I think that it was the appropriate response for everyone involved. Okay, So for Ridley Gregg... I love personality, I love villainy, I love rivalries, and the Battle of Ontario has been dead for a while. I don't mind him firing that clapper into the empty net. At the same time, if you're going to do it, if you're going to play the heel, you have to understand that there's going to be a response. That's totally okay as well. I agree, the Leafs have been known as a pretty soft team in recent years, so I was okay with the response from Morgan Riley, and at the same time, I also was okay with the suspension. If you're making a non-hockey play, the goal is in, the the play is dead, that's the definition of a non-hockey play. Not remotely surprised to see the Department of Player Safety give him five games, which I think was an appropriate ban. The cross check to the face—it's not like his stick rode up it was directly to the face. So to me, you couldn't really hide from that. I think the punishment was appropriate. But again, I loved all of it. I just like drama. I like rivalries, and to me, it was all. It was now that we know Ridley Greg was not hurt, I can say it was fun.
4: Matt Larkin, Daily Faceoff. Last thing for you, Matt. So you've been doing a lot of uh, work on like the international teams, right? The Olympics are going to be in a couple of years. They're going to do this Four Nations Faceoff next year, which will have Sweden, Finland, U.S. and Canada. Um, one, on just whether there should still be any skepticism that they will still go to the Olympics. And two, assuming they do go, am I, I've been saying this. Am I right? in thinking that this is the closest that the U.S. has ever been to Canada when you put together, you know, a projected lineup?
7: Yes. so in terms of skepticism, I understand why it would be there because I think we're all right to be jaded, especially when they were going in 2022. It was just the Omicron outbreak of COVID suddenly pulled them back, right? But other than that, like, the deal is done. It's signed. They're going. So it would take literally another disaster or pandemic-related problem, something like that, to stop them from going, but otherwise it's, it's in writing and it's official 2026, they will be there. So that's great news. Uh, And I totally agree about the U.S. I think this is going to be the strongest team they've ever had in best on best. And I believe on paper, the U S will be the favorite, not Canada going into the tournament, because if you look at certain positions, Canada obviously can match the U S in terms of quality forwards, but the American goaltending battery is just, untouchable. It's going to be Jake Ottinger, Connor Hellebuck, Patrick Mm -hmm. Demko, and on defense, you've got Quinn Hughes, Charlie McAvoy, Adam Fox, the list goes on and on. So I think the Americans are going to have the best defense core and the best goaltending in the tournament, and they're going to be right there with their forward group, too. Austin Matthews and Jack Hughes and the Kachuk brothers. So to me, yes, the U.S. should be the favorite on paper going in. The only thing holding them back is that Canada has a couple of just otherworldly generational talents that can carry them, of course. Connor McDavid, Sydney Crosby will still be there. Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon. so the the top end talent Canada might have the edge, and also the track record of just coming through in the clutch. For whatever reason, the U.S. has a history of underachieving in international events.
4: All right. Yeah, f- four of the five best players might all be Canadian, but the depth and whatnot as you look through the rosters might be more U.S. There. Um, Tage Thompson not going to make the
5: U.S. I, I was right? just going to say at this, at this rate, rate, how we feel about Tage right now.
7: In terms of making making the team, or yeah. just in
5: general this season?
4: I, b- both, I guess. I mean, his season this year, I think, is why it's even a question. If I had you on a, exactly a year ago and asked you this, I, you probably would have laughed me off and said, like, he's the second-line center or something.
7: Exactly, yeah. And, and I do think I'll we'll be making this decision because we're on daily face-up. We are going through our mock rosters, and we're going to do the U.S. next week. So I'll have a definitive answer next week. But I'm still a believer in cage. You obviously have to be careful because – he's someone who bloomed late. It's not like he's 22 years old. So it's not like he has that many years of his prime left. So you do wonder what his future is in terms of being a superstar a year ago. I thought he was there. So this has been a massive step back at the same time. I'm still a believer. I think his raw talent is so unique. What he can do as a big man with the puck on his stick? And I think given all the skill you'll be up against the Olympics, you're going to want that type of, Matt Knight involving Tate Thompson, also the great one-timer on the power play, right? I know it hasn't worked that well this year, but I still think the skill set's there. So I still believe he belongs on Team USA.
4: Matt Larkin, Daily Faceoff. Follow him on Twitter at MLarkinHockey, and you can check out all the stuff at DailyFaceoff.com. Matt, thanks again for joining us, man, and uh, appreciate the time. We'll talk soon.
7: Thanks, guys. No problem.
4: All right. The centers in front of Thompson. Right now I'm looking at
5: a projected roster. It's Austin Matthews. Jack Hughes, Jack Eichel, Tage Thompson. And the honorable mention centers are like Larkin, Zegras. There's a lot. Yeah.
4: They're going to be good. I'm glad to hear them say they're going to be the favorite. It's 10 years ago today. Or no, 10 Ye- years yesterday. ago yesterday. Yesterday was the Oshie shootout. O- which was the last meaningful international hockey game that I've watched. Can you believe the NHL...
5: Didn't see that shootout and say we should totally go to you can have whoever shoot as many times as you want. Of course that they should have gone to that format immediately. Oshie was allowed to shoot as many times as he wanted, and he kept scoring. It was amazing. The NHL should have gone to that format immediately. You have your shootout guy go. Anyway, yeah. Extendo Sports on the way. Then the Extra Point Show. It's going to be uh, Zach Jones, Joe Kelly coming in for the Extra Point Show as. Uh, that begins at 10 o'clock. They had a question yesterday I want to ask you about. Maybe we'll do next week. A lot. What happens with Dawson Knox? What what, m- what can happen? Fewer articles about how, what happens with a Diggs trade and more about a Dawson Knox idea. That, to me, seems more realistic, mm-hmm. possible. Still unlikely. 803-0550 on WGR.
2: Breaking Sports News airs first here. Guaranteed. guaranteed. WGR Sports
1: Radio 550, 2020 Sports. Extendo
4: Sports. All right, instant trivia to wrap up the week. Brought to you by the Farmer's Dog. Fresh human-grade dog food delivered right to your door. Tomorrow's the NBA All-Star Game. Yeah. LeBron James is going for the 21st time. The game's not Sunday, it's Saturday. Sunday, sorry. The weekend begins tomorrow, and then the game is Sunday. 21 All-Star Games, all right. Can you tell me the other... Six professional sports athletes all-time that have made more than 19. LeBron, 21. There are six others that have cleared 19. Gretzky? Gretzky, no. 18. I'll give you a hint. There's two NHL players. Yager. No. Gordy Howe. Yes, 23. He has the all-time record. Then you have three baseball players and one NBA player. Baseball player. This is half of a joke. But Jamie
5: Moyer. (laughs) <laughs> no You pitched no. till He was like 50 Randy Johnson Nope Cal All-time Ripken? greats though Cal Ripken, Cal Ripken. 19
4: uh, Two other guys That played Like in this if From like the 50s To the 70s Oof. But big names Home run record Hank Aaron Hank Aaron uh, Joe DiMaggio Nope Willie Mays Okay. He's the other okay. Baseball player uh, So you're missing One hockey player And one NBA player You've got a defenseman And you've got uh, Chris Chelios No Pronger no. Oh, Ray Bork? Ray Bork. Ray Bork, okay. 19. And then the NBA player, I mean, for longevity, he's pretty good. Um, actually, I could, I could give you the team and it still might not Hold give on. it away.
5: NBA player that never actually retired. Vince Carter. No. <laughs> never retired.
4: Uh, Lakers. James Worthy. Nope. Uh, I said Lakers because he could still go through like eight names, I K- feel Kareem. like. Kareem. Kareem. There you go. Kareem at 19. That's the list. LeBron, Gordie Howe, Bork, Kareem, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, and Ripken. LeBron's got two more to go to match Gordie Howe for the most all-star appearances in uh, sports history. Yeah. And I think he'll probably do that.
5: All right. Extra point shows on the way. We're back Monday. Maybe some new uh, receiver rumors by then. Maybe Brandon Ayuk. Maybe a Sabres trade. Juicier rumor. Maybe a Sabres trade. Have a good weekend.